Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, uh, July 25th, I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac is producing the show. A uh, little bit of a rainy Monday, but not too bad. Uh, the Nebraska State Amateur Golf Tournament crowns the best individual golfer in the state is going on in Lincoln today at Firethorn Golf Club. Um, first round underway. They're going to play uh, two rounds, make a cut, and then uh, they'll continue on until they have a champion. Our Nebraska amateur champion. It's a big deal if you're a golfer. True golf, just like the pros play, out at Firethorn, hard, hard course. Saw David Easley was leading at minus four. That's a heck of a good score, David. Um, and sad to not be out there, but uh, my game is trash right now. So, And we appreciate you being here. Yes. Well, I mean, I could have had the early morning tea time and still been able to make it. But, oh, fair uh, enough. No worries. Uh a lot of different things going on. Um, I guess my biggest question, and I mean, I'm I'm kind of laughing, but not. I'm not laughing at the situation. But what the heck is going on out at Branch Oak Lake? Um, you know, we have the shooting, and then uh, fortunately a boater was found dead in the water. Um, that place right now just got some bad juju going on, huh? Yeah. Well, I just went camping there the weekend before the, all this took place, too. So, like, my friends and I got together again over this last weekend, and we were just reminding each other how fortunate we were that we got out of there when we did. But yeah, you know, the honestly, I have not been back to Branch Stoke since I was in college. Um, interesting enough, all of us uh, naval officers have to learn how to sail a boat. And um, because we're here in Nebraska, we take out a single-sail small boat, I'm sure they still do it over at uh, Navy ROTC on the university. And uh, Branch Oak was the place that you learned to work the sail. And uh, it was actually a lot of fun. We used to spend a lot of hours out there, you know, leading up. And I guess that makes sense, right? If you're going to be a naval officer, you should know something about a sailing a boat. Yeah, you would think so, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we did it. But, yeah, unfortunately, um, a boater was found dead in Branch Oak Lake Sunday evening. And... Uh, you know, and I think that's just a, a reminder um, that boating, you know, whether it's sail or out there, um, you just need to be careful. There's a lot of accidents in the summer between jet skis and skiers and, and boaters, and certainly uh, hearts go out um, to the person found. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know what to tell you, Lincoln, other than... Branch Oaks had a couple of hits lately. Uh, I'll say this. It was nice to see that uh, there was an arrest made uh, over the shooting, and I think that's good for the city, and I know that it seems like there's been more gunfire than we're used to. And I think there's two things. You know, I talk a lot about the stats, and everybody argues on both sides, you know, how we adopt the stats and crime. And then, you know, and then there's the feel on the street. And and certainly, you know, the stats don't show any big, giant dent in uh, violent crime going down. Um, holding steady would probably be an accurate word. So, you know, we, the public, we have to rely on, you know, what we're seeing and feeling. And, and I definitely get a sense talking to people about the shootings in particular that uh, the numbers, you know, are a little untenable and create a little level of 
anxiety out there amongst us all. Another shooting at 32nd and Vine Street around 1.30 on Saturday morning. And, you know, that's just something we don't want to continue to grow in our city. Um, you know, people get more anxious, you know, on the apps and stuff, whether it be garage thefts. And so uh, I will say again for everybody, um, you know, to begin talking, peacefully talking to our city council members and the mayor's office, you know, to focus on this and and get us help because um, the anxiety is brewing. I talked to Richard McGinnis a while back and uh, he pointed me to uh, the agenda. It looks like it's a story I've been sitting on um, in the sense of I know we're close to a city and police agreement on pay and new things. Um, not going to give any specifics. I don't exactly know them. I believe it, it needs to be read three times at city council. I am looking at the agenda for tonight. Or maybe it's already going on. And it looks like we're close to that first reading um, of basically what amounts to um, some new agreements in, in pay and structure for LPD. And that is something that we should all champion. And like I said, we should be out there uh, talking about safety and security at this point. Um, and obviously supporting um, what I believe to be a very favorable um, agreement between the city and the union as it goes through city council that will help us when I say the words manning and modernization. And if we go there, you know, we tend to get more officers on the street. Uh, crime starts to be deterred. Uh, people begin to you know, slow down in their cars, motorcycles not going 100 miles an hour because there's more of a police presence. So keep an eye on that, though. I think that reading is tonight. I could be reading it wrong. I'm looking at a proving agency agreement between the city of Lincoln on behalf of the Lincoln Police Department. Um, There's several things in there. I am not an expert on uh, city agenda items. Um, And I guess if I were to become mayor, Johnny, I'd have to hire somebody to... uh, advise me on all that stuff because uh that is not a strength of mine to understand the language of which uh our government writes my my <laughs> slightly biased non-biased opinion says time to add to your exploratory yeah yeah time. add add somebody that can read these things uh look like somewhat it's somewhat legal documents obviously um but geez you know, in the military, they just give you, like, one form. you just a standard naval letter, and that pretty, pretty much covers everything. Or a five-paragraph op order for all you grunts out there. You totally understand what I'm talking about with Schmiak and all of that. But uh, anyway, um, good to see uh, Let Lincoln Vote got back to me. Um, I'll reach back out to you guys to hear about your petition to get the Fairness Ordinance uh, voted on. I'm thinking... Uh, Probably might be two weeks away because I'm going to be out of the office uh, next week. I'm going to be in Chicago. Um, But I will hit you back, and let's uh, get that on. Scotty, oh, what do you've got on the text line here? 
Very detailed post by the NEGOP on what the next few months will look like. Ah, yeah, the NEGOP on Facebook has put out something. Um, I'm not going to primp for the NEGOP today. Uh, you can go to their Facebook post and, and get an update to the members of the conservative party. Had a great talk with uh, Natalie Weiss and Hannah Robaleski from the Lancaster County Democratic Party on Friday. Hope you enjoyed that. I, I To me, that's like a crossover, but what's nice is... Uh, Natalie and Hannah are actually against the petition at this time f- to vote on the fairness ordinance. I thought they did a good job breaking down kind of the rationale behind it. Um, we actually talked for quite a bit after the show about different ideas uh, to work through that. And uh, But at the same time, I'm looking forward to let Lincoln uh, vote uh, come out here and get on the show and, and talk about it as well, because obviously there's uh, quite a bit of buy-in on on that one of the other things that just as things have come up but i guess there's never a good time never a bad time but as a former uh member of the armed services uh, veteran 20 years right navy you guys get that i've been getting a lot of emails about the covid vaccine and not just active duty but uh specifically in nebraska national guard and I've read through them all. I know there's a couple of experts um, just down south in the Kansas area that are really engaged in fighting this in lawsuits. Um, and so let me summarize it for the audience. Okay, so the DOD federal entity, you know, has said vaccines are mandated. This should shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that's been listening to news the last year. And clearly, there's a lot of different opinions on that, right? And I think when it first came out, we covered it on this show quite a bit. I think even Richard may have called in and asked me, you know, if I was on active duty, you know, what would I do um, back in the day? But as that has rolled out and so many people obviously have thought, well, I'm going to wait it out and it won't continue to be mandated. Um, no, in fact, DOD has essentially, you know, taken a hard stance on that, which, of course, would make sense with the Biden administration. And many uh, soldier, sailors, airmen, Marine, Coast Guard have said, I'm not going to do it. And uh, the, uh, for lack of a better term, the exemption to policy letters have not been going through. And so you have a vast amount of people who are facing, you know, dishonorable discharges or other than honorable, or just losing their careers uh, because they refuse to do it. And it's kind of, again, it's been something I'm aware of. People have reached out to me. I haven't exactly known, you know, other than talking about it, which I'm doing now, how to raise awareness and, and you know, what can be done. Um, but uh, bringing it closer to home, you know, now it is getting into the National Guard and Reserve ranks. And that that brings it to an interesting deal, right? Because um, there are some states, some governors that are fighting that mandate on behalf of their National Guard. And so it's this really weird dynamic in play, right? Because if we go to National Guard and Reservists, um, there are active duty full-time, very similar to active duty military but then there's vast majority of others who are part-time if you will 
and this is affecting them. And so this is, and and it's for people that have made this a career in the National Guard and the reserves, and they're still living in their communities. This is really coming to a head because, you know, they want to continue to serve, but at the same time, they're not willing to do the mandate. And so there's two ways I look at it. And again, when I was younger, didn't ask questions. I didn't even think about the shots they were giving us. It's just they give you shots, you just line up and you just do them. Now, I had every right as a citizen to ask. It just wasn't what I thought to do, nor really the culture at the time and i would say for the most part at least in my generation there were no questions asked other than anthrax and then at some point they stopped anthrax and we just all moved on but covid's kind of created this whole other counterculture deal and dynamic and you know part of me says you know that's what taking the oath and volunteering does Right is is you give up some rights, and so if that's the policy that they set forth, I mean, you need to follow it. So there's a good part of me that says that. There's another part of me that says, well, this isn't a long-term study, you know, yet total effectiveness type of vaccine, if you will. I mean, it's a shot. It's not a vaccine. Um, and so maybe there's an argument to be made there. And like a lot of things right now, it would just be nice if there could be some compromise. Because clearly it appears that the federal government is really pushing this as a top-down mandated, so with everything in their tentacles, they can. And of course, they hide behind readiness and manning and all of that. And and that's not a bad, ex- it's not an excuse, that's an that's an okay justification, but it it doesn't play out in what we know to be the facts of it. Um, meaning, for people that have had it, you know, they have natural immunity to some degree, and in many other things, we allow exemptions to policy, and so you know that creates a friction point. And I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's frustrating to me, and I'm talking to those of you that are in this situation right now is, you know. Keep up the good fight. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with your beliefs um, at all. Um, at the same time, you know, you have to balance career and, and it becomes an individual decision. I don't know that top down you're going to get any relief. And I'm sad to say that. Um, I'm very sad to say that. But I do think that you should be writing all your senators, congressmen, in this state, state senators, and really making them aware of the situation that each one of you is facing with a possible loss of job, um, loss of income, loss of career. You certainly don't deserve a dishonorable discharge. Um, and to do that, you know, back when we first explored this, um, I know that I would have, as an officer in the Navy, I would have carried out the mission, so to speak, and briefed my men and women on what the requirement was, what what the you know mandate was, and at the same time, um, given this unique nature of COVID, I would have also briefed them, which is totally legal and fine, on the alternatives. 
you know, which would be exemption to policy, religious exemption, that stuff. And I would have made sure that if they chose that way, the paperwork was carried through. Where you lose control, right, is once those exemptions go up. Excuse me, the big machine's going to decide to do what it's going to do. And in this case, it doesn't appear that there's any flex room thus far. And I think that that's why if you're involved, if you're a loved one, um, you know, you need to just be full court press on state legislatures, congressmen, senators, so that this gets elevated to a level to where our elected officials can fight for everybody in service. Um, And we'll go from there because that's what we got to do. Um, I'll have some interesting uh, Joe Biden quotes and thoughts over the last week because <laughs> he always cracks me up. And uh, we'll keep covering the local news and what we got going on in and around Lincoln here. 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. Oh, we're back. I'm doing a little trick. My backup, Doug Fitzgerald, taught me. Uh, today, guys, it's 69 right now with a little rain in Lincoln, Nebraska. Just a little rain, without a doubt. Um, hey, the scheduling uh, the rest of the week, we'll have uh, a quick Twitter Tuesday. If you've got a tweet of the week for Drive Time Lincoln, uh, text me. Text me. <laughs> you can text me. Or you could just uh, IM me or tweet at me tonight. Uh at Riggins underscore J. And uh, we'll pick the best one that we get. We had some doozies last week. We had about six entries. Um, also, Bud Seinhorst from Lincoln Independent Business Association will be in tomorrow. We haven't had an update uh, from him and the association in a long time. Have a lot of questions uh, for them as uh, we're kind of post, post-COVID post trying to get out of COVID. Uh, but, you know, risk dial and things trending. So let's... Get a good update from him. Uh, we'll have whatever Wednesday. And then Thursday, we will have the new NEGOP chairman, Eric Underwood, um, who has been a guest on this show when he was Lancaster County Republican Party um, chair. We'll have him on. It'll be, he'll, he'll be about two and a half weeks in the chair at that point, and maybe he'll have a lot of updates and good information, um, not just for Lincoln and Lancaster County, but the rest of the state. Um, so if you're interested in any GOP goings on, Thursday will be your day with uh, Eric Underwood. And then uh, it is definitely time on Friday that we bring the gentleman back from Branch Oak Observatory to talk about uh, their next star party um, that will be recognizing law enforcement as well as... Uh, other activities that they bring. I always like talking about Australia, Johnny. Astrology. <laughs> or one of those two. All right, Johnny's giggling. 1499 3KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln. 1499 3KLIN. All right, Monday, July 25th. Second segment here on Drive Time Lincoln. I'm your host, Jack Riggins, Johnny Cadillac, producing the show. Uh, Carly James says it's 72, but my board's saying 69 and cloudy with rain. Excuse me, Johnny. Oh, that's a perfect time for me to interrupt you then because um, I was busy with my producer role at the end of the last segment. So I just wanted to take this time to say 
I have some awesome friends in Australia, and I really like them. I don't know much about astrology, but I'm looking forward to Friday's episode of Drive Time Lincoln with the Branch Oak Observatory talking about astronomy. Oh, perfect. You picked me up. You picked me yes. up. I mean, that's just the little running joke for the rest <laughs> of my radio time, however long that may be. Uh, but, yeah, hey, the other thing, uh, Branch Oak Observatory will be on Friday. Like I said, we'll have Eric Underwood on Thursday, the NEGOP chair, and Bud Seinhorst tomorrow from Lincoln Independent Business Association. Always enjoy talking with Bud. He is a sharp cat. Uh, one other one I want to give a shout-out to uh, next Monday, week from today, uh, we will have the uh, Tunnels to Towers uh, Lincoln volunteer team in to talk about their 5K fundraiser they're doing Um it's just got a great story behind it. Uh, we covered it a little bit before, but uh, you see Tunnel to Towers on TV. Mark Wahlberg's a spokesman. And I got to be honest, at first I thought, well, you know, is this legitimate or not? And then uh, it came to be known um, that they, in fact, have helped right here um, in Lincoln, Nebraska with uh, the Herrera family and many others. And so, you know, uh, that has inspired. Uh, Melissa Wood and Carrie Herrera to uh, create a, if you will, a directorate here and put on a fundraiser in Lincoln. So we're going to give them all the time we can on Monday and get everyone educated about their event. Um, so looking forward to that without a doubt. Um, all right, Tammy Ward. We finally got some news on Councilwoman Tammy Ward. You can remember she crashed her car. Had some minor injuries, got sided with DUI. I think she blew a point one one four, if I'm correct. And we all gave her her time and space. Uh, but in fact, she has pled not guilty to that. Um, all the information that we seem to have says that she might be. I've heard a uh, different word. But in fact, she did plead not guilty. And uh, we're going to have to see where that goes. Uh, in fact... I think that it probably makes her vulnerable in the next election. Um, either way, shows a lapse in judgment, whether it was a couple of drinks or it was some drinks mixed with pills and there was a medical thing there. I mean, you have to be awful careful, as we know, with drinking and driving under any circumstance. Even if you're taking uh, doctor-prescribed pills, you have to be careful with driving. So I thought that was interesting. I kind of thought, based on the information I had, you know, there'd just be a guilty plea and and uh, you move forward. But, uh, in fact, I guess they think that it's not guilty, so we'll have to wait on judgment for that, and she'll continue on uh, doing her city councilwoman stuff. All right, Richard. Well, I've held you off long enough. You got one minute. Okay, well, I am 100% in agreement with you that we need to have more policemen, more boots on the ground. We had an unfortunate incident that happened involving StarTran recently. Uh, two men were fighting on a bus. Per StarTran policy, they were let off at the terminal transfer facility at Goals Told They couldn't be fighting on the bus. One of the men then stabbed another person, and the last I knew, the victim was in critical condition. We need more police presence at the Gold Terminal Transfer Facility, and we also need more police presence uh, on a random basis on those buses. None of those passengers deserve to have to ride in fear of their life on the StarTran bus system. So I'm with you. Let's get some more policemen out there. Let's deter crime.
Thank you, Richard. Um, well said. I think the best line there was nobody uh, deserves nor nobody shall in this society, especially here in Lincoln, Nebraska, to ride our Star Tram buses in fear that you may get stabbed or, you know, robbed or whatever. Um, it's it's crazy to how we got here. Um, and we need to start seeing some tangible moves by our city leaders, the mayor, the police chief, the city council, on getting more street officers, more capability for deterrence, more on the streets so that response times are down. Because um, like it or not, I'm going to keep talking about it, right? I'm going to keep talking about where we're at and what's going on and what are the feelings out there by normal everyday citizens. I've got people that use our great trails that are now, you know, them themselves, decent citizens that would never think about carrying a knife or a gun are now doing that because they just don't know. And that's just not a state you want in your city. And if you talk about StarTran and Richard always, you know, stumping you know, for free busing and things like that. Well, that's a public service. And, you know, at at some level, we're talking about people that are exposed, you know, more to the public when you're on a public bus, suppose your own car. Um, the last thing you want is these public spaces to be uh, causing anxiety or fear. And, you know, and one of the, I think, dirty secrets out there about Lincoln, and if you talk to people in LFR or the police in, and even the, the hospitals is we have phenomenal emergency room staffs here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Phenomenal. We're so blessed. And a lot of these violent crimes, right, a stabbing like that, a shooting. If we were in any other city where it didn't take 10 minutes to get to a hospital or we didn't have the response time and the professionalism of LPD and LFR, a lot of these people would have passed away that have been victims of this violent crime. And all of a sudden, you know, because we have great care and access to emergency rooms where doctors and nurses are able to stabilize these patients, we don't have necessarily the death rate that really when you dig into the details on a lot of these violent crimes, these stabbings and these shootings, could very easily be a coin toss on homicide or, you know, injury, if you will. And you just wonder, right, how much would that change the optic of people? I mean, I do, right? If if people, you know, all of a sudden 50% of these cases started ending in death, that changes the whole optic. But see, to me, I I see the crime, right? And it's the crime I'm looking at. And, you know, eventually it's going to catch up to you. So I like to see Richard, uh, one, staying under a minute. He was perfect, folks. He was at 59 seconds. So nobody out there should be uh, frustrated. <laughs> um, and that was a good call, not, not because we see alike, but... Um, I probably, you know, am pay, paying attention to the strategic picture, and yet here's an incident, you know, 
with him paying attention to the buses that we talk a lot about. And uh, I like that. Interesting enough, uh, I saw this uh, really for this morning, but uh, Chris in Olathe, Kansas, brought up something, and I don't even know why I'm going here, but it's my show, which was uh, he said he'd vote for Pence over Trump in a heartbeat. And I, did, I guess I haven't really got that far in politics lately because I've been digging into Nebraska stuff and the, obviously the NEGOP. But uh, is that a thing right now? Do you know, Johnny, is is Pence going to run for president of the United States? Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything, no. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it would kind of make sense, right? I mean, a lot of times vice presidents eventually run and... Uh, Again, seems to be a very stoic man and um, a nice balancing um, to President Trump's kind of very, you know, outgoing personality, if you will. Um, that'd be interesting. I certainly have heard of Ron DeSantis. Um, and so I guess that'll be interesting. Maybe maybe we'll find out more um, in the future. But that uh, that would be really quite the fireworks, right? To have Pence and Donald Trump on the same stage debating. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> being for being for an interesting, uh, interesting show. I've got some. I'll call them Joe Bidenisms. If you weren't paying attention, the the president has COVID. I think we all know that. We're wishing him to get healthy, right? We don't want anybody to pass on. But they they just can't stop. So he was tweeting this weekend and kind of bragging about <laughs> that he deserves credit over the gas prices coming down, right? Now, remember, he's the same guy that said he had nothing to do with gas prices going up. We've covered that on this show. Uh, they used a lot of taglines like Putin price hike, uh, all this but I just have to laugh at this headline. And I'm curious, like, are we the American people? Don't get me wrong. I've seen, obviously, President Trump did some of these things as well, right? But President Biden, and quote on Twitter, gas prices are declining at one of the fastest rates we have seen in over a decade. We're not letting up on our work to lower costs even further. Well, first of all, I thought you had nothing to do with it. Second of all, I don't know if they're declining at the fastest rates. I'll actually take you at your word, Mr. President. But I suspect they wouldn't have to decline at their fastest rates if they weren't up at over $4.30 a gallon. They're still a lot higher right now than they were at this right. time of year I mean, ago. that's what the average American feels. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> I, I just... It's comical. Like, all of a sudden... You did that? Well, thank you, I guess. But it's still up at over 430, so I don't really care. And I don't think any, you know, average American does, right? I mean, most of us are getting the uh, topped off, no matter what car you drive, you know, $75 limit. And and I guess, you know, they just do that. And you got to walk in and say, well, hey, I got to fill out the rest of my tank. But, I mean, it's just crazy, right? That we're bragging about $4.30 as the standard right now. <laughs> the other ones I like, because I talked about this, oh gosh, I talked about this way back in the uh, primaries here, but we were getting close to a recession, right? And so the Biden administration, much like 
different things that have been happening in our world, like we used to have a definition for a vaccine, but we changed the definition of vaccine. We went over that on this show. Well, now the Biden administration is going to, they're going to change the definition of recession. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, they do recognize the common definition, which is two quarters of negative gross domestic product growth. But the same sentence, they insist that it's wrong. <laughs> okay, so maybe they could respond to this poll, right? 72% of Americans think the economy is weak. And 64% of Americans say that their financial situation is getting worse. So call it what you will. Basically, three-quarters of Americans don't like the economy, and it's not helping them out. It's basically what it says. I guess in the world of almost military staff officers who can spend you know days, weeks, months changing one word in an op plan to get a ribbon, the Biden administration has figured out that ploy, and they're, they're changing definitions on us. Shouldn't surprise you. How about savings? All right. Um, <laughs> gas prices, as you know, we just talked about this, are, are two more dollars a gallon than when Joe Biden took office. But he claims that Americans are saving money on gas. I mean, he says this stuff. He says this. In fact, the average American has lost... <laughs> Over $1,500 due to higher energy prices since he took office. I've talked about that. That's not the addition of inflation and everything else, which some estimates have it out there that Americans essentially, you know, if you if you made $30,000 this year just because of the dynamics in our country, you've actually only made about twenty-five. dollars That's the impact. So estimates are out there that it's, you know, over, over 5000 Now, this one. I love it, right? <laughs> they refuse. Think about this. They refuse to call. You see this on TV, right? The border crisis. They refuse to call it a crisis. They really do. Nobody says it if you're in the Democratic Party or you're in the White House. So I don't know how else you describe it when there's 4 million illegal immigrants crossing the border, <laughs> which is historical, and there's 800,000, and we will get to a million gotaways since Biden took office. We will get to a million. We will get to over three Lincoln, Nebraska's of gotaways coming into this country by the end of the year. I mean, how do we not deal with that? I, I so wish that every governor down on a border state is doing everything legally within their power. Uh, you know, if you got to mobilize the National Guard and the <laughs> and put them on the border and then ask for federal assistance, you got to do what you got to do. Like, that's insane. We can't live like this, people. Now, I love the term they've been using if you've been following the White House. They, they use the term <laughs> transitionary. For the economy, right, and the inflation. They, they don't want to say temporary, right? They say transitionary because it's going to make a comeback. So they're just wishing, right? But we don't see any real signs of that. And I guess this is probably the mostly the, the most hotly contested one. And, folks, I, I don't know where we're going with this. Uh, I don't even know what took me off of this mission. But I there's a great video out there. It's on the Daily Wire, a great movie called What is a Woman? 
Um, yes, it's got some satirical to it, but I mean, you know, this obviously conservative is just going around asking normal Americans and professors and different people, uh, what is a woman? And all of a sudden, the, magically, these lefties can't answer it. But anyway, uh, the Biden administration term is birthing people. What does that mean? Johnny, what does birthing people mean? A woman is able to give birth to a to a child. Yeah. Right? Why is it that our leaders can't define woman and are going to say birthing people? That's ridiculous. A man cannot have a child. Proven fact. Right. It's like Johnny just answered it. That's the everyday American. America, I mean, there's a small sliver that wants to go down this line, and Joe Biden's one of them. And the extreme left is one of them. It's, that's embarrassing. And then he says that uh, the Afghan withdrawal is an extraordinary success. Well, I mean, that's just spitting in the face of all the veterans in this country from whatever war. Um between the hundreds of allies we left behind to the terrorist safe haven created to the 13 service members that were killed. Extraordinary success, Mr. President? No, it was not. 1,499-3KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1,499-3KLIN. All right, if you were listening for like the last five minutes, I was rolling down... uh, Definition problems with Joe Biden and the Democratic leaders uh, that are in Washington. Yeah, but that's no different than what I've been talking about here in Lincoln, right? It's just a delusion in the left and left-dominated cityscapes of elected officials, which Lincoln is one of them, right? They have policy problems, but they're always trying to message it different. We have policy problems. Right. We don't have, you know, police reports that are coming out hard on criminals. Right. We don't have action to solve our safety and security problem. So we just drop little nuggets that sound good or the mayor comes out for a photo op, you know, to give a heroic award, which, of course, officers deserve. Right. We're going to solve the entire world's green energy problem here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're going to solve the refugee crisis or maybe some of these one million gotaways from the the border crisis, you know, by our welcoming an immigration plan. So it's just a house of cards. And you have to see this. You know, you can say, oh, you're just up there saying that. I mean, these are common sense things. I mean, Johnny had never even heard of the term birthing people. You know, he and I represent average American in Lincoln, Nebraska, right? What does that mean? There's men and women. There's not birthing people. That's that's not a thing. You can't just make up words and change the reality. You can, but we... The people, the electorates, we're too smart for that, and we need to watch and keep our elected officials accountable. It's that simple. We'll see you tomorrow on Twitter Tuesday with Liba and Bud Seinhorst, 1499.3.